Hello everyone, I'm Paul Blair and welcome to this week's edition of Riding the Storm Out. This week we're going to talk about a very important subject and have a very educational presentation. And the subject that you're going to continue to be hearing more and more about is the hoax of man-made global warming. Of course, this has been around for a while. Back in the 70s, it was man-made uh, ice age. The next ice age was coming because of our using hairspray and things of that nature. Well, now such people as the World Economic Forum, the United Nations and others are using this to follow up the COVID pandemic as a tool to exercise greater, greater control over the individual. We have a special guest this week in our broadcast, Mark Murano. Mark actually began his career working with the great Rush Limbaugh. He ended his political career as an assistant with United States Senator James Inhofe from Oklahoma, a strong conservative. We've had Mark speak at some of our Liberty Pastors conferences, and he is a researcher, a journalist, and a, an author, and an expert on the Great Reset and also on man-made global warming or the hoax of man-made global warming. I recommend his videos highly, and now enjoy a recent presentation. Actually, this week, Mark and I had a conversation on Zoom call, and I hope that you enjoy listening to it. Well, it's uh, top of the hour, so we'll go ahead and get started. We will start right on time. Welcome, everybody, to our continuing education. Of course, everybody on this call has participated in one of our Liberty Pastors training camps, and once a month on the third Tuesday of every month, we try to provide some very relevant and important continuing education. And then with most of these topics, we have some sermon helps and outlines uh, that are available to you if you want to develop something to preach to your people as you continue to make disciples, disciple your people to observe all things, whatever the Lord has commanded us. And then, of course, Mark, when we get down to the end of uh, today, Mark has a website and some information uh, to where he can provide access to his resources as well. And Mark has been a great friend. Let me open the word of prayer and then we'll do an intro and Mark can take off. Thank Father, you. we thank you so much for the remnant that is still on on uh, on duty. And Lord, I pray that our numbers would grow. I thank you for the work that's been done already. And we thank you for the opportunities that we are looking at in 2023 and 2024. Lord, we just ask that you would put them all together. As Isaiah, I think, raised his hand and said, here am I, Lord, send me. So are we. But Lord, as Zechariah records, it's not by our wisdom. It's not by our power. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we report for duty. We answer to you, and we want to do your work. But if there's going to be a move of God, you're going to be the one that has to make it happen. So, Lord, we ask that you would work through us and reach others and awaken the body of Christ, that we can see a genuine awakening, a genuine revival, where we as Christians would not be like blind sheep, but, uh, Lord, that we would be on duty, that we on this call would be the watchman on the wall for you. So, Lord, thank you for the relationship, for bringing us together with Mark some two years ago. And, Lord, we ask that you'd bless our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just briefly, Mark, obviously, has, uh, was one of our speakers back in Orlando just about a year and a half, two years ago. And we've almost got more subjects that we can cover in one camp. Yeah. So that's why we lay basic training in our camp. And then we have continuing education where we hear some very important issues 
from a biblical perspective. Of course, some of the big things with Mark, he is a, a featured expert literally on any news station that you can think of, uh, including Fox News. I would mention CNN, but then I would be disagreeing with myself. That's not really a news station. <laughs> uh, but Mark uh, actually worked with uh, Rush Limbaugh for five or six years early on. And uh, of course, the latter part of his, his political career, he worked with our own, one of our strong conservative straight uh, senators, U.S. Senator James Inhofe from yeah. Oklahoma. Of course, Mark has as uh, a as quite a, a ham. He's uh, a, loves theatrical presentations, and he's an author. Written a number of books and has a number of video resources that we have used in our church and shown to our church, including Climate Hustle and Climate Hustle Two. Uh, so, with that, I want to introduce our featured guest this week or this month to talk about the the hoax of climate change as we are being sold this bill of guns through the World Economic Forum, United Nations, the globalists, and everybody else. So without any further ado, Mark, welcome. Thank you for being part of our of our, of our broadcast today. Again, continuing, Ed, and um, we have a number of pastors that are on live today, and then this will be archived, and our pastors, our schedules are busy, so we'll have a lot of our pastors that will be watching this after the fact. But Mark, welcome to our show today, and take it away. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Yes, and I enjoyed my time uh, I remember in Orlando uh, a year and a half ago, I did a presentation on climate and the Great Reset. Yep. And those two issues, actually, the World Economic Forum, and I'll get a little bit into that, they've really merged now. And I'll explain that as well. So for Q&A purposes, I didn't get a lot. I didn't go. I don't go a lot into green energy here. I decided to keep this more about the overall agenda and the science and how it's merging with Great Reset and COVID lockdowns and everything. So I think I think this will be very comprehensive. So first of all, could everyone see the screen here? My screen up that says my name and. Yep. Okay, good. great. So I, I titled this Debunking the Climate Emergency. Let's go ahead and let's we'll kind of keep this fast paced, but of course. Ah, all right, let me see why. I, there we go. The, the film we had released and it was came out in fall of 2020, Climate Hustle 2. This was with Kevin Sorbo as the host and I was the reporter in it. We actually have a great uh, section, like a, maybe a six minute segment or seven minute segment in the movie just on how climate has become the new religion for atheists today. And Kevin Sorbo does a great job with that. And we have all the, the clips we have. Uh, uh, I have footage from uh, our uh, first film, which was Climate Hustle, where we went to New York City for the climate march. And they had uh, sort of an earth worship service where everyone was there kneeling and praying to the earth. Um, but it's a um, it's a big part of this. It's replacing traditional religion, this idea that they had to believe in something beyond themselves. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change was my first book, which lays out the whole case. If you're looking for like the, an introductory book to the whole political and science, this is the book, came out in 2018. If you're looking for a book on, uh, on the climate, on, on the agenda of the green movement, solar, wind, how we're literally empowering China with the entire green agenda, we're shutting down our car production uh, in the United States, now banning gas-powered cars without a vote of anyone, by the way. These are done through corporate corporate banks are making these decisions not to give out car loans. The World Bank's not going to fund automakers. You have California doing an executive order, unelected uh, boards uh, in California supporting this. That whole agenda, all we're doing is handicapping ourselves, empowering China. China just surpassed the U.S. and South Korea. It's now fast becoming the world's number one car exporter due to the green agenda. According to Bloomberg News, this is mainstream stuff. You don't have to, this isn't just some 
You know, this isn't just critics saying this. So my book, The Green Agenda, Go, Green Fraud, goes through the whole thing. And my most recent book just came out a few months ago, the end of 2022, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown, has two devoted climate chapters. But really, The Great Reset is all about climate, which we'll talk about here. First of all, uh, a little bit about me. I work for the U.S. Senate Environment Public Works Committee. I work for Senator James Inhofe, who just retired uh, a few weeks ago. I, mean, I guess it was right before Christmas. And he, he actually uh, is 88, nine years old. His wife wasn't that well. He was old, so he turned over his seat. And was a, what an amazing career that he had and, and gave me an incredible opportunity. But this was the first film we had, Climate Hustle. This was me in the streets of Paris. And you can see the disgusting street there below me with the stains on the ground. But they put up wanted posters for me, the environmentalists, during the UN Paris Climate Agreement, because I was I, we rented a theater. And our theater, our movie premiere for the first Climate Hustle film was shut down in Paris by protesters. Police had to come and clear everyone out. And we were delayed about an hour even starting our film. So I wanted to start with, you know, as particularly as Christians, we're, we want to be good stewards of the earth. And the Bible tells us to be good stewards. So one of the things I want to really emphasize is we are great stewards of the earth compared to any other nation. The World Health Organization has ranked the United States among the cleanest air in the world. And this is routinely done every year. We have some of the cleanest water. We have one of the cleanest environments anywhere globally, notwithstanding the Ohio recent Ohio train derailment. But essentially... We want a clean air. We want clean water. This is an example since the first Earth Day, 1970, carbon monoxide, lead, nitrous oxides, particulate matter, sulfur dioxide, all of these which are real pollutants, not carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, we inhale oxygen as humans. We exhale carbon dioxide. That's not a pollutant. But real pollution, as you can see, has been down dramatically. And this is a key point to make because everyone conflates climate change with pollution. No, don't do that. You don't need to do that because they're two different things. The problem is we've done so successful with pollution that they're now admitting that essentially that they have to go after uh, climate because there's not much more they can do in terms of overall. There's always bad pockets, toxic waste cleanups, lead in Michigan, this train cleanup. There's always certain areas that are out of uh, attainment. But in general, overall, we've radically improved our population economic growth. Uh, since 1970, the first Earth Day, and we've done it at the same time, increasing air, water quality, and we now know it as save endangered species. There's a lot of positive environmental success stories. So when they try to scare you about CO2, we're currently in a carbon dioxide famine, geologically speaking. The geologic record shows we're only at about 415 parts per million currently. We've had ice ages as high as 8,000 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And these are important points to make because it doesn't know. In Al Gore's movie, this is a chart, it's still from Al Gore's film, he's scaring you there with the uh, CO2 levels. What he's not telling you is that temperature led CO2. In other words, as the temperature went up, the oceans released more CO2. So the, to say CO2 causes temperature rise is actually the opposite of what that chart shows. He shows a correlation, but temperatures first. And that's, who, that's what he shows you. But if you look at the next chart I have here, that's where Al Gore is trying to scare you about the carbon dioxide levels. If you look at the geologic history of the earth, the estimates for CO2 was many, many times higher than today. In fact, the history of the earth, 90% of Earth's history has been hotter and warmer today than today with higher levels of CO2. We're in currently the 10% lowest carbon dioxide levels and the 10% coldest period of the Earth's history, geologically speaking. In other words, 90% of Earth's history was too warm to have ice at either pole like we currently do.
This is actually a U.S. federal government chart. And last time I checked, they still had it up. Keep in mind, the Biden administration has been, and the Obama administration tried to sanitize and clean this. This is a government chart. It shows you the estimated global temperatures. And you can see where we are today, nothing compared to their estimates of the past. And you can quibble over millions and billions. They'll claim all sorts of things. But either way, I don't, I don't know the time scale, and I don't know how, how they have it nailed down. But the bottom line is the history of the Earth that they can reconstruct and examine shows that temperatures were much higher. And this is according to our own federal government. So that's this is an important chart. It's still up on the website. It's a NOAA National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration chart. You're not going to see this by Al Gore. You're not going to see this in a UN report, but it is part of our federal data set. In 1990, the United Nations Climate Panel showed this chart on, on the, you'll see it on your left. It says Little Ice Age Medieval Warm Period. And this chart was what was the agreed upon that this was the temperature. Look at how warm the medieval warm period was, much warmer than today. And the, and the chart on the right confirms it as well. This, these were done in peer-reviewed studies. So later they decided, and they actually started a campaign. We had a scientist come at Senator Inhofe's committee and say he was hit by fellow UN scientists to say, we have to get rid of the medieval warm period. So they actually got rid of it, came up with a hockey stick. They flattened out the medieval warm period and juiced up the current temperatures to say that temperatures were flat until the 20th century. This is how they do climate science. If you look at all these charts that try to scare you, this is a chart that shows you how little the temperatures raised in the last 140 years. If you actually lower the, you know, the scale, it's only gone up about one degree Celsius or so, which uh, or two, almost two degrees Fahrenheit, but that's actually not a lot of temperature change over that kind of a period. They try to scare you by showing a scale that makes it look like this big incline, and it's really not that alarming. My favorite explanation for the layperson on climate science is Philip Stott is a UK professor, University of London. Climate change governed by hundreds of factors. The idea we can manage it and change cl the climate by manipulating one politically selected you, factor, carbon dioxide is as misguided as it gets. Scientific nonsense. You see that. And the other thing you'll hear is a 97%. One of the studies was not even 97 scientists. Uh, 97, and another study was a, one out of Australia. We had a UN scientist testify on Capitol Hill. The 97% consensus of scientists is essentially pulled from thin air, not based on any research whatsoever. These are just, uh, uh, it's the way to silence debate. How dare you disagree? And you can think back to what happened in COVID. If you dare disagree with Anthony Fauci, you were deplatformed, silenced, censored, uninvited from scientific conferences. And this happened to Nobel Prize winning epidemiologists. Same thing happened years ago in the climate debate. Same template to silence opposition. You hear about tipping points over and over. You'll hear AOC, the media, the UN, we're approaching a key climate tipping point. This was just April of last year. We have 50 years, and I go back further here in a minute, but 1972, UN Environment Protection Warns. We have 10 years left, 1982, 1989. We had four years when Obama was elected, according to the head of NASA. They just keep cranking out the fear. Well, in my research in green fraud, I was able to identify 1864. Abraham Lincoln was president of the United States, the earliest known climate tipping point. A man named George Perkins Marsh warned of climatic excess unless mankind changed his evil ways, essentially. And this has been deeply rooted. I think it's hardwired in human beings to have the idea of, of some kind of doom coming, especially environmental doom, that, that then gets manipulated for politics. And that's really what the climate movement's about. 
you hear about the UN agreements, we're going to stop global warming. This is beginning in Rio, 1992, and it goes all the way up through the lockdowns, and then even there's even updated charts. Carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere have continued to rise regardless of every United Nations climate summit. So the idea that they're going to save the planet from carbon dioxide, you can see right there that it's, carbon dioxide could care less uh, what the United Nations is up to. It makes no difference. So here you can see what's going on. If the United States, we are leading the world, and look at this chart. We are under President Donald Trump. We led the world, and we continue to lead the world in reducing our carbon dioxide emissions, not because we went green, but because we embraced technology. We got off coal, we moved to natural gas fracking, and we led the world in reducing CO2 emissions better than all the countries who shamed Donald Trump for getting out of the UN Paris Agreement. Look at the countries with the most CO2 emissions now. It's India and China. China, you can see right here, a percent of their fossil fuel is 87% and their renewables are 10%. Now, for whatever reason, Apple CEO loves China. Uh, the uh, Biden administration praises China's climate efforts. John Kerry has praised it. The media praises it. They're, meanwhile, they're building several coal plants a month, brand new. But you can see right here, 87% of their, uh, of their um, energy is coming from fossil fuels. They are not green by any definition but the green movement loves China and gives them a complete pass. Some of the hard science, 200 year droughts. Look at the past, people say California's unprecedented drought. We've had mega droughts in the past throughout the medieval warm period. Nothing happening today in droughts could even contemplate anything that we've seen. Flood damage continuing to drop. Global floods, uh, peer-reviewed studies show they're not increasing. This is hurricane activity just since 1980. You can see the 12 month running average, no trend in that. Uh, and you can go back further on, on hurricanes. The most active decade was the 1940s. You can go over 100 years. There is either no trend or declining trend on big hurricanes hitting. They can always find more hurricanes because we have better detection today. And the same goes for tornadoes. You can always find more funnel clouds with better monitoring and all our sophisticated equipment. But big tornadoes down since the 1950s. So on all of these metrics, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires, droughts, uh, it's not showing up that there's an increase. Gore has admitted that politics is involved. Did the UN reports, quote, torque up their reports? How else do you get the attention of politicians around the world? So you see what's happening is they use when current reality fails to alarm, like the data isn't there on temperature, on sea level, on polar bears, on extreme weather. They make scarier and scarier predictions of the future. Richard Lindsay, an MIT scientist, controlling carbon is a bureaucrat's dream. If you control carbon, you control life. The United Nations actually admitted Otmar and uh, Edenhofer and back in 2010, we redistribute the world's wealth by climate policy. It has almost nothing to do with environmental policy. So when you're watching a UN summit and reading all the news coverage, do people realize that uh, top leaders at the UN admit this has nothing to do with the environment or climate? It's about redistributing wealth slash politics and power and allowing the United Nations more power. This is the key advisor to Greta Thunberg, the child who's telling all your kids and grandkids to skip school to fight climate change. His motive, this is uh, George Mambiant on TV. We've got to go straight to the heart of capitalism and overthrow it. This is the goal of, of Greta Thunberg's chief climate advisor. They appear in public. They appear all over the place together. This is one of her advi key advisor. That's his goal. This is Dr. Edward Zurita, who ended up leaving the United Nations Climate Panel. He said the scientific debate has been hijacked to advance other agendas.
So the science has been corrupted, which leads us now to the modern time. This is Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum in Davos. The pandemic represents a narrow, rare window of opportunity to reimagine and reset the world. Well, they came out with slick videos saying you will own nothing and you'll be happy. And climate is a key part of all of this. They want to create, uh, let me make sure I didn't miss a slider. They want to create chaos. Um, hold on. Okay, hold on one sec. Uh, they want to create chaos. The world must act jointly, swiftly to reexamp all aspects of societies from education to social contracts. So they wanted to use the COVID lockdowns to reset the world. And that's what they're currently doing with it this time in the name of climate. So they're creating chaos. They're banning high yield agriculture, gas powered cars. They're going after meat eating. They're creating energy shortages. They're violating our free speech rights. Vladimir Lenin during the Tsarist revolution with fighting Tsarist Russia during the Bolshevik revolution had a phrase is the worse, the better or worse is better. They're creating chaos because the more chaos they can create in our society. And we saw this with masks and lockdowns and church closures through COVID. The better able government is able to essentially ram their agenda through and make more and more people dependent upon them. Uh, and that's really what this is about. They're collapsing our free speech rights, collapsing our energy, collapsing our transportation, collapsing um, the uh, ability to own property. They're going after that, especially in the suburbs. They're going after it with you know, the equity asset firms buying up properties and then renting it to people. People are losing land, uh, home ownership. High yield agriculture is being collapsed. The Netherlands, Sri Lanka, coming to Canada, Australia, eventually the U.S., where they had to meet net zero climate goals. So they're going after nitrogen fertilizer, which is gonna create food shortages, making us more likely to accept eating bugs as an alternate source of protein, eating Bill Gates' stated goal of lab-grown meat. He's now America's number one single largest farmland owner, and he's investing billions in lab-grown meat made with stem cells from an actual animal and grown in a steel vat and then printed on a 3D printer. So if that sounds like a yummy dinner, that, that could be our future <laughs> if we allow it. Uh, and so here's the key when you understand the Great Reset and now how the climate agenda has morphed. For decades, climate activists and many in the establishment have praised China's one-party rule. They've lusted after it. And now this is an example. This is Tom Friedman on the in the pages of the New York Times. China today has great advantages. They're one-party democracy. He calls it one-party democracy. One party can just impose the politically difficult but critically important policies needed to move a society forward. In other words, no democracy, no debate, no choice. Forget all that. This is about make, doing the right thing and forcing it on. UN climate chief lamented US democracy as detrimental to global warming fight. She lauded one party ruled China for doing it right. So all of that's been happening. And what lockdowns gave the once free West was emulating Chinese style one party rule. When you had governors, mayors, uh, supervisors, prime ministers, could close churches, schools, businesses, issue stay-at-home orders, cancel weddings, funerals, medical procedures, all without a vote of any single parliament, city council, town hall, Congress. It was done through emergency decree. And this is why Jane Fonda has said COVID was God's gift to the left, because it gave them that one-party Chinese-type rule. COVID morphs to climate. This is uh, Richard Lindzen. This is, I think, back in 2009, I believe this quote. It's hard to imagine a better leverage point than carbon dioxide to assume control over the essential production of energy and breathing. If you demonize it, you gain control of everything. Well, they imagined something better 
than carbon dioxide to leverage control. And that was fear of a virus, uh, COVID-19. And they used that fear to go full bore. World Health Organization already set the stage. Climate is the greatest health challenge of the 21st century, threatens all aspects of society. Keep in mind, Biden is now looking for a pandemic treaty with the World Health Organization where a Bill Gates funded scientist could issue a public health emergency on climate, on everything from gun violence to misinformation to uh, another virus, and we could all go into lockdown. The Biden administration is pushing hard to make the US a signatory of this World Health Treaty. So a Gates, Bill Gates Soros funded professor in Europe came up with the phrase climate lockdown and said that now that the COVID lockdowns are over, the world may need to lock down again this time for climate. The media is all in. This is the UK Guardian. Global lockdown every two years needed to meet the Paris CO2 goals. You see how seamlessly they merged COVID and climate? It's frightening. This is our new battle. What would it mean for Biden to declare a national climate emergency? He will be able to deploy 130 different powers. This is what they're after. And there was a huge movement. Associated Press reported Biden is still considering this. In other words, you don't need Congress, you don't need democracy, you can just issue another declaration and much like COVID, they can start passing these things. This is um, the journal Nature, actually a scientific peer reviewed journal, carbon monitoring restrictions that were once unthinkable or more people are more prepared to accept trapping, tracking and limitations on their life to achieve a safer climate. So you see where they're coming, nature sustainability. Climate lockdown, British medical journal calls for, uh, meat price hikes to fight climate change, meat consumption to drop. They're going after meat eating. And again, they are pushing hard lab-grown meat and insect eating. In fact, in Australia and Europe, they're already feeding kids insect-based snacks that look like potato chips, but they're made with crickets as a psychological op to prep kids to accept eating insects. 230 medical journals, this is 2021, um, declared the greatest threat to global public health is climate. And this was the most frightening part. They want to declare, they declared the COVID-19 response to be a template for the climate response. So not only do we not face a climate problem, they're hyping one to make at it and they're merging it with sort of the same template we had with COVID. The Harvard School of Public Health linked COVID and climate. The causes of, of both of these uh, and, and are, I'm having trouble, hold on one sec here, I can't. Okay, the cause of the both of these are, uh, basically they're using it to say they're merging them and they have to tackle the next climate. In other words, if you oppose the Green New Deal now, you're a grandma killer because unchecked climate change will lead to more, more COVID-like viruses. So uh, climate change and religion, this is the head, the former head of the United Nations Climate Panel. For me, the protection of the planet is more than my mission. It is my religion. And that was an astonishing thing for the head of a science panel to allegedly claim is that this was his religion. So now you know why the science doesn't matter. This was a mission, a cause, uh, ideological cause for these people. The great awakening, this is Scottish historian, uh, Niall Ferguson, the Hoover Institute. What the left offers now, wokeism is in fact, it's not a secular political, ology, it, it, political ideology. It's not really economics, it's about salvation. It's about persecuting heretics. It's about elaborate rituals that can only be pursued by believers. It's cult-like. This is what we're dealing. Marxism is a religion. 
in a, in, in a sense, central to what many communists, it's ultimately a religion. Marx is a prophet. Marxism is a kind of religion. The same was true of Nazism. So what they've done now is they're adding climate to this list and they're using these same tactics, everything from like Vladimir Lenin's tactics of you know the worse, the better. This is a shot of the, the People's Climate March I mentioned earlier. The Earth Vigil is what they did. And they actually didn't allow, you know, they kicked this out because this was a high holy event for them and they didn't want to be have any cameras around. On the pages of the Washington Times is the Washington Post theologian who actually said that we had to repent sinners to stop bad weather. Her name was, uh, her name is Brooks Thistlewhite, Susan Brooks Thistlewhite. She urges to repent for our sins of causing typhoon, and they were caused by, quote, the moral evil of climate change denial, suffering and the sin of climate change denial. This was the pages of the Washington Post saying that it's now a, by the theologian, now so this isn't speaking metaphorically, she's speaking literally as a theologian saying climate change denial is a sin. Global warming religion, sin, guilt, ties, penance, punishment, and now sacred scriptures. In this case, their version of the sacred scriptures is the UN climate panel. Actor Harrison Ford, as, as featured in our film, Climate Hustle 2 with Kevin Sorbo, I needed something outside of myself to believe in, and I found in nature a kind of God. So this is Hollywood admitting, this is their, this is their paganism. This is their religion that's replaced Christianity. And this is not the Hollywood of Jimmy Stewart and uh, John Wayne anymore. This is the new green religion that's taken over. Al Gore has literally said this probably more than a hundred times that I find clips of every night in the news is like a nature walk through the book of revelations. He's trying to pick every bad weather event and com literally compare it to end times of the Bible. I just came back from Egypt uh, in November for the latest UN climate summit. And the times of Israel reported uh, this happened right outside the summit about an hour away near Mount, in Mount Sinai, activists smashed tablets atop Mount Sinai. Well, why, why are climate activists smashing these tablets? They're hosting, they're, they're boasting this uh, new global religion. And what is this global religion? They actually smashed tablets. It was a climate and demanded a climate justice, 10 commandments. They were imitating um, biblical times and Moses. And there, this was a frightening thing because this included a Christian representative, a Muslim representative, a Jewish representative. But this was a big part of the media event of this recent UN climate. So they're not even trying to hide this morphing of climate and religion anymore at these UN summits. And this is one of their quotes from their uh, document, the ElijahInterfaith.org. This is from Egypt. We return to Sinai, repent and seek a new vision for humanity. This is a new sustainable UN uh, climate vision for humanity based on you know the climate repentance ceremony, which is what they had. So this is this is this is real, and this is what they're pushing, and this is being uh, indoctrinated on young people. It's being indoctrinated to the media, on the general public. New York Times Paul Krugman actually said, "Those who deny climate change, if you're a climate denier, quote, may you be punished in the afterlife." for doing so, he called climate denial an almost inconceivable sin. Once again, we're not talking metaphorically. These are their exact quotes. These are on the pages of the New York Times, not some off the cuff, you know, radio interview he did. End times. This is uh, Michael, uh, uh, Michael Clare of New Hampshire College, Hampshire College. Let me see if I can, I was gonna try to read this, but I got the screen blocking it. But essentially, 
this is a very apocalyptic view of climate. And this is teaching our young people. We envision rising temperatures, prolonged drought, storms, hellish wildfires, rising sea levels, food starvation, state collapse, mass migration, conflicts up, leading full-scale war, proven disruptive, deadly, persistent drought, hunger, millions of people to abandon their traditional lands and end up in the squalor of shanty towns. This is their book of revelations, if you will. This is their apocalyptic vision. This is what they're pushing, particularly on college age kids. This is what's motivating kids around the world to join these youth movements and stop traffic. They're throwing soup on famous artwork. They're throwing paint and dye on uh, other buildings. They're stopping football games. They're, they're um, becoming radicalized because of this fear. They're joining lawsuits. Kids in, in elementary school is young. And we document this in our move, fighting the US government for not ensuring they have a safe future. In other words, by not going full shutdown of our climate. It truly is an anti-human agenda. I'm just wrapping this up now. This was Vogue. Again, pop culture is having a baby you now in environmental vandalism. So having children is seen as destructive. Gore is seeking, quote, fertility management re, re, uh, needed to reduce the number of Africans to control the proliferation of unusual weather. Al Gore said this at a Bill Gates event with Bill Gates sitting next to him. Two white wealthy Westerners sitting on a stage lamenting that there's too many people of color in the world and we need, quote, fertility management to reduce the number of Africans. And I have that, we have that video in the film as well. Climate hustle too. The U.S. government can't regulate or control the climate. I interviewed University of, Ge of Pennsylvania geologists, Ivy League University, uh, Robert Giegengack. None of the strategies that have been offered by the U.S. government or by anybody has the remotest chance of altering the climate if, in fact, the climate were controlled by CO2, which it's not. He doesn't believe it was. But even if you accept their premise, nothing they would do would affect not only the climate, but it wouldn't even affect global CO2 levels because the developing world led by China is so beyond you know, with their CO2 that nothing we could do. John Kerry's admitted that we could zero our emissions out and would have no effect on global CO2. Green New Deal would have no effect on climate, goes without saying. And so here's what they want you to do. They want you to keep calm and trust the experts. We had the EPA chief, Michael Reagan, Biden's EPA chief, just show up at the uh, Ohio train derailment in East Palestine, uh, Ohio. And he actually says, trust the government here. And this government could care, the Biden administration could care less about anything happening in the environment unless it has to do with climate change or ways for them and their donors to make money. That's really the problem here. The New York Times has told people publicly, don't, critical thinking leads to misinformation. They actually said, don't go down the rabbit hole of misinformation. It isn't helping critical thinking. So they don't want you to critically think. This is Forbes magazine. You must not do your own research when it comes to science. In other words, trust Anthony Fauci, trust public health, trust the United Nations. Whatever they say, they've decreed it. You, you can't question it. Don't use critical thinking skills. Questioning authority has become too much of a good thing and it's killing people. What's so odd here is that the 1960s rebellious, anti-war, save the whale, Volvo driving liberals of, of yesteryear are now the uh, lovers of authority and don't question anything. And they're telling everyone else, don't question authority. Slate Magazine, it's time to give up on facts. Lay them down and for a more useful weapon, emotions. And this is where we're headed now with the mainstream media. So with that, I'm, uh, still, I'm under 30 minutes. So good. I think I got it in just in time. Green Fraud, my book, Why the Green New Deal is Worse. And my new book, which I think you'll find particularly interesting, the most topical, is The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. Uh, I'm with a committee for a constructive tomorrow. And those are my contact information and my website's Climate Depot. So thank you, Pastor Paul. And love to take any questions. I hope you enjoyed that.
Mark, outstanding. I, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to take, we're gonna pause for just a minute. We gotta do a little house cleaning, housekeeping. Then sure. I'm gonna come back and you and I can visit for about 10 minutes. So folks, okay, we may great. go over, we may go over five minutes today, but I, I'm, I'm on a tight deadline myself, so we won't go over too much. But I highly recommend those two websites. I, I went through both movies, Climate Hustle 1 and 2, took notes and then pursued those uh, and, and documented everything. And I've done a series of sermons on these as well, because you are exactly right. This was actually tool number one before the pandemic just kind of dropped in their hat and their in their laps yes. and wound up being far more successful than they ever imagined. Exactly. But they've been working on this for half a century, at least, uh, to use this as a tool to uh, implement global governance. So we'll come back to this. We got to do so. Hold on, if you can, Mark, for just a few more minutes. Sure. Uh, I want to get we we always do an update. Of course, when we graduate our camps, we give you three next steps. We tell you we give you recommended verbiage to amend your bylaws to protect yourself from the LBGT agenda. Uh, then we we ask you to open your your church up during the week and partner with a homeschool or homeschool co-op. We must rescue our kids immediately while we're battling and other battles. Our kids have to be taken out of this, this mind control, this poison, this climate, the LGBT agenda, GT agenda the, uh, the pandemic stuff. All of this is what they're doing. They're indoctrinating our kids now. No longer concerned with reading, writing, and arithmetic. So pastors, open your buildings up, which sit empty five days a week and use them uh, with uh, partnerships with, with uh, homeschool co-ops. And then start a salt light ministry in your church. That's a great way where churches can engage the community and start being salt and light. We, we have a testimony every week, and then we have updates from Gail and from uh, Dran. But I know she's on a very tight timeline, but we have Darlene McPherson Pagels. She's the wife of Pastor Mark Pagels at Community Christian Fellowship they have a salt and light biblical citizenship ministry after graduating our camp. Mark is a bivocational pastor who also works as an electrical engineer and has many other talents. But this is one of the things we do with Liberty Pastors. I mean, the average church in America runs between 75 and 125 people. They can't even relate to what Jack Hibbs has out in Chino Hills. So we want to empower the average church. Obviously, we want all churches, but we want to be able to empower the average church. Grant, I see your hand up. You're muted. What What can I do for you? You're, you're muted, Grant. You're muted. Sure. Before you uh, have the speaker come on, can you ask Mark to unshare his screen? Oh, yes. Mark, can you unshare your? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I just thank did you, that. Buddy. Okay, sure. Very no good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, if we can, Darlene, if you are available. Can you uh, give us an update and share what you're doing in your church and encourage us? You're muted, Darlene. Little uh, mute thing went away when you were sharing the you other screen. I got we it now. You. Okay. Coming loud and clear. Thank you. I was an engineer for several decades, and I just want to say that just before I retired, we had something called the Green Building Council. And um, we had to um, adhere to Green Building Council guidelines in order to, to get projects. And so I was very interested in what uh, Mr. Morano has had to say about that because I had to certify it took a year yes. of training and I was I was pretty upset the entire time. Then I had to go for uh, 
you know, to test and, you know, sit for, for, um, for testing at Lamar University in it, it was ridiculous. It really was. I mean, bicycle, we had to have bicycle racks in places where people didn't ride bicycles and things like that. But to get back to what our church is doing, we went to uh, Liberty Pastors um, in Austin last, um, I can't remember the month. I think it might have been August. And my husband asked me if I would please take on the task of starting a salt and light ministry in, in our church. So it was coming up on uh, election time. So what we did was we tried to prepare our people for election time. So we made sure everyone was registered first. And then we set up a table after every um, Sunday morning worship service, we set up a table for people to gather information like uh, the scorecard, the Texas uh, scorecard. By the way, I, I, I'm so blessed to live in Texas. We are a conservative red state. Our county doesn't have any Democrats, you know. So <laughs> we're we're above the curve here. Um, so we did that, and then after the election, we decided to wait until January to really kick off our Salt and Light ministry. So, and we had um, Salt and Light Sunday in January. And then we had like a halfway mark. And now we're going to have another one in February coming up this Sunday. And it's going really well. We have a team that we put together and our salt and light team is coming together and we're discussing these things. We, uh, one of the things we want to tackle is our school board. Uh, in Texas, we have something called TASB, Texas Association of School Boards. And, uh, they are a taxpayer-funded lobbyist, and uh, they they do not um, support the um, agenda items that we support, such as um, uh, protecting our children from uh, the uh, sexualization of our children in the classroom. So we're trying to get our school board to disengage with TASB and to engage with another source that will give them the same things Good. that they have with TASB. That's one of the things we're doing. So uh, another thing is um, we have, we usually have a postcard or a letter on our table where folks can, um, fill out their postcard or, or fill out their letter to whichever branch of the government, either local or national, that would do the most, most good. And uh, they can send in their letters and, and be a part of something and, and work toward changing our, hopefully changing our local government first. That's where we're working first. Amen. We'll start inside out. That's what we encourage you to do. Darlene, let me recommend uh, Climate Hustle 1 and Climate Hustle 2 are a couple of great resources that you would enjoy on your Salt and Light Sundays or in your Salt and Light uh, uh, camps, continuing education. They are great movies. And let me tell you, don't let him fool you. Mark Mirano is a ham. He, he gets in <laughs> costume. He looks like he steps right out of France in 1400. <laughs> And he, he, he is, he is a wannabe actor. I can tell you that, but he's hilarious. Got some great stuff, but uh, so that would be some great resources. 
Darlene, thank you and your pastor, your husband, Pastor Mark, for the work that you all are doing. Outstanding. That's just what, it's not just learning about what's going on. It's actually engaging and doing something about it. We now have some 1,400 churches that have completed, gone through our training. And we're very optimistic that 23 and 24 are going to be, uh, that we'll more than double that number. So thank you for coming to uh, the event that we did there in Austin. And thank you for going back and putting it uh, putting it to work. So God bless you yes, and your husband. Did. Gail, can thank you give us an update? What do you have and when is the next Salt Light training? Well, thank you so much, Pastor. Um, I Here's my screen. I think you're looking at my screen now. Do you see my screen? Yep, got it. Okay, great. Okay, so what Mark said, I can drill down four of his words. He said four words that encompass the whole thing and why we're all here. Mark, you said this, if we allow it. Yes. If we allow it, okay, we have the the ability, the authority from God and even from the Constitution yes. to stop this. Okay. And so what we do at the Salt and Light Council, looking at your screen, we provide three hours of certified training for one person in your congregation that you choose that comes to a Zoom meeting for three hours. It's nationwide, and we equip and grow. Uh, the ministry in your church. We're back office support. We, we're not a parachurch organization. We're not going to mess with what you're already doing. We're going to give you tools and resources and come alongside you. And so think about that one person that you want to have that we can train. And as you see the trainings coming up, tomorrow is a training. And after that, we have March the 9th. Okay. And these are Pacific time, two to five, five to eight Eastern time. And then on the 24th, and we'll have trainings each month. But Sign up with us, schedule a free consultation. You just click on the button there and it brings up this little form right here. They'll go to our office, they'll contact me and we're gonna talk, okay? I'll talk to you, I'll talk to the person or the person that you designate. And so um, we give a free consultation to see if this is right for you and how we can do the most benefit to your congregation. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Gail. Dran, do you have an update for us? Dran Reese? Uh, head of Public School Exit and our Salt Light Council. I always do, and it's because I want to share the good news of what these Salt and Light Ministries are doing out there. This is one of our trainees at Liberty Pastors, uh, their Salt and Light leader, Jesse Alvarez in Selma, California. They put on a crisis conference, brought in 200 people. That's just one of many things they did. And of course, here on the phone today, I saw Andre Dobson. This is his Salt and Light leader. And look what they did. They printed the Family First Pledge that uh, indicates for these candidates whether they're pro-life and pro-marriage between a man and a woman and three other things and send it out to every single candidate in addition to doing their monthly action items, which uh, the previous lady just spoke about. Fabulous job. Here's some more pictures just to encourage you out there that it can be done. We have Larry Brumbeck. Uh, this is a, a Pastor Hadley's church in Florida, uh, working on a human life protection amendment petition. Uh, and he didn't even know about it until he read it in our Salt and Light newsletter. And then we have here Walk for Lives and getting uh, going out and walking for life out in the community and working with our local board of supervisors and getting a certificate for the actions in the community and doing voter registration. Here's a new one in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Uh, her pastor is uh, Timothy Peters. Uh, and look at their brand new ministry. And that's the pastor picture there. And then, of course, Gail with uh, Tree of Life, uh, 
fully supported. Look at these amazing pictures. Pastors, if you don't have a salt and light ministry in your church, now's the time. We need to all be worth our salt. So look at this. These are doing voter, bringing candidates up on stage, making signs for their meetings and getting activated in the community. Look at this, an entire tent devoted to salt and light and voter registration and community meetings. Amazing stuff. Another biblical election forum right here. Fabulous. Um, again, Gail mentioned the next trainings. I wanted to show you a picture of our staff we took at Christmas time. We translated the biblical voter booklet into Spanish, so that is now available online. And one more thing I wanted to show you is that on our public school exit website, we've now got a Spanish section here, so we're beginning to translate the entire website. So there you go. You can find out uh, for those of you who have Spanish ministries how to start homeschooling as well. And uh, God bless you all and love you. Amen, Dran. Thank you for the work that you and Gail do. You all are champions and such a big part of our Liberty Pastors. Uh, let me let all, everybody know we are going to send out a follow-up after this. Uh, I actually preached a couple of sermons last year called Fire and Ice, The Facts and Politics of Climate Change. And I must credit Mark Murano. It was his videos that I happened to have access to and was watching a year and a half ago. Actually, we had some speakers coming into town to address this subject. And we had like 15 inches of snow and then it was sub-zero temperature. So we had to call off services for over a week. I was able to do a lot of research online as the humor of man-made global warming as we're dealing with 15 inches of snow here in Oklahoma and all of Texas was frozen. So Mark's website, wonderful resources. Those videos are first class. Uh, so I highly recommend them. And we will be sending out those two sermons that I preached along with our PowerPoints and sermon notes. You can take them uh, and, and take parts of it and make your own messages. But I'll pro we'll provide that as resources for you. Obviously, free of charge for being a part of our, of our work here. But uh, Mark, let me ask you, I've got a couple of things I want to, some points I want to make just real quickly as we get done. But if I was to ask you, what is the most obvious evidence to the common man that would show that this whole thing is a fraud? What, what to you is the most common or most obvious evidence that this is a fraud, how it's being depicted? Ah, uh, it's a great question. I think the most obvious thing is just in living your life. It's, if you... Yeah. It's it's not yeah. an easy question. It's not an easy question. You're you're. I'm trying to think of the best evidence. I guess the the thing would be to just simply look at past predictions yeah. of doom, and you can go back uh, almost a hundred years. And we have this from the media, from Antarctic, the Arctic. You go back to the 1970s, the global cooling scare, and you basically come up with the question. You look at Paul Ehrlich, the overpopulation scare, the man-made climate scare, the uh, and now global warming. And none of the predictions have come true. None of the tipping points have come true. And you just realize these are just charlatans trying to scare you and get more power and do it. So I think a rudimentary look, and I have lists that have like over a hundred things going back to the first Earth Day of all the failed predictions. That's probably the simplest way. So you know who you're dealing with. These are not scientifically accurate people who are making these claims. You know, that was one of the things that you pointed out in your videos and in your book. When you look back at the last 2000 years, there was actually the Roman warming yes. period. And then there was the medieval warming period. Temperatures far higher than what we have now. And yet it's amazing. It seemed like society flourished during the warming periods because you can grow more. It's actually a more fertile era. Then there was the little ice age. There was a period of time where they actually ice skated on the Thames. We're not yeah. taught that. 
because it wasn't Learjets and SUVs, obviously, back then. That yeah, was one thing. Well, Go real ahead. quick note on that, and that was used to be called the medieval climate optimum for the medieval warm period, because it was always considered optimum. Now, you mentioned the little ice age. I actually, in my book and movie, and movie, we actually have scholarly studies published by a lady named, a researcher named Emily Oster, accusations in, of witchcraft in witch trials reached their peak during the Little Ice Age. Why? Because witches were blamed for crop failure and for uh, uh, food shortages and bad weather, which just goes to tell you it's sort of that old pagan um, uh, uh, philosophy that came through. And that's that's what's amazing about this. They've redefined all the terms today, though. So again, it was climate optimum because warm periods are the optimum, not to be feared. And we're overdue for the next ice age. So it's something that we should actually fear. One of the actual researchers claimed global warming to the extent we're having it is good because it's delaying the next ice age, which we don't want to have. Well, logically, too, you, know, you, you watch like the World Economic Forum or these climate summits. The world leaders fly in there were some thousand yes. plus private jets. Now, if they were genuinely concerned about CO2 or the climate, wouldn't they be carpooling or at least taking <laughs> public transportation? And, and then let me ask you this, how does it help planet Earth to take all of our manufacturing and yes. export it from the United States and move it to communist China? Last I checked, communist China was still on the planet. Yeah, how is... does that help the climate? This is nuts. I mean, this is what the entire green agenda is. I just did a story. Bloomberg News reported that China has taken over the U.S. now in car production globally. OK, and this just happened. England had, I think, a 60 plus percent drop since 2020. So I think China wasn't actually locked down. All of their car production has gone up. It's all due to this green agenda by banning gas powered cars and mandating EVs. We're going to be reliant on China for solar panel rare earth mining, for, for windmill rare earth mining, for EV rare earth mining. They're buying up land in companies in the Congo and throughout Africa for cobalt, underage kids, horrendous environmental standards. The green agenda is all about empowering China. We just, Biden administration just shut down US mining in Minnesota. And meanwhile, they're now trying to uh, authorize more mining for green, rare earth minerals for the EVs from China. This is insane. We have something called environment social governance, but they never apply it to China. If we did, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be relying on them for all this. We need is back to American domestic energy Amen. and mining. We have the highest standards in the world. We have the highest human rights in the world. And uh, it, it just doesn't make sense how this how they hijack this. There's nothing clean and green about solar and wind. All it means is you got to store everything in a battery and you got to be reliant on China and it doesn't produce the energy you need. It just it, it's lags on the grid because then the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing. You're not getting energy. Let me ask you one more question. I'm going to make a comment. We'll be done for the day because we do sure. try to stay on time. But this was just too good uh, okay. to, to let it stop at 45 minutes. I, I was most taken by one of the experts that you had on your videos. Would you please introduce to our audience of pastors, Patrick Moore, and just tell yes. us a little bit about his story. Patrick Moore is featured in both our movies. He's the former co-founder of the environmental group Greenpeace back in 1971. He was the original Save the Whale liberal. He was out there uh, fighting with harpoons and fighting the, the Save the Whales against the uh, harpooners back in the early uh, 1970s. He then left the group in 1986, turned against it, and he is now one of the leading climate skeptics and anti-environmental hysteria activists. He's a PhD scientist, 
and he is just fantastic. Most recently, he's gotten involved with all the whale deaths off the co east coast of the United States due to the windmill um, windmill uh, uh, planning that they're building yep. all the offshore wind for. So Patrick Moore is a phenomenal guy. I highly recommend him. He has a book called Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout, which is a great title. Uh, and it, it details all of his uh, environmental awakenings and how he turned against the group. Mark, thank you so much. I'm going to share something. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure that you knew this or not, but this, if you don't, then you, now you do. It's interesting that the last premier of the Soviet Union, a guy by the name of Mikhail Gorbachev, when he left Russia, he moved to San Francisco to become the president of a newly organized environmental group called International Green Cross. So what does a former communist leader yeah. do with his time after the after Russia supposedly fell well you start a climate uh, group yes so that just that's further evidence of how closely this is tied together and the whole agenda is implementing and imposing global governance on the world and of course that global elite that meets in Davos is at the top of the food chain and Mark let me ask you, I don't know if you I don't know if I, I, you probably have this in your book can you comment anything about the Earth Charter and the Ark that they actually carried out. You talked about the religion of the climate yes. change, but would you comment real briefly on that if you can? Yeah, they actually had uh, one of the UN uh, sustainability summits. They actually brought a uh, an Earth, literally like an uh, sorry, <laughs> a, a a Earth a covenant Ark of the Covenant with yep. Earth, uh, like essentially Earth uh, religious attributes yep. to it. And they had a whole meeting on this. This has been going on. It's a whole movement within the sort of United Nations sustainability movement. And it truly, when I say it, it's not metaphorical. They're truly trying to make this an actual religion to replace Christianity uh, or Judaism. They literally believe that. The adherents believe it. Uh, again, what I witnessed down at, uh, we interviewed some of the people in Egypt that were going up to Mount Sinai to do this climate justice uh, event and, and the climate justice commandments and the repentance ceremony on, on Mount Sinai. This is a real deal. And, uh, and Mike, Michael Crichton, the author who did the book um, State of Fear, he's also did Jurassic Park, but his famous quote was, uh, climate and environmentalism is the new religion for modern urban atheists. And it's beyond that, though. It's also for global elites as well. And I mentioned Hollywood celebrities. It's a form of paganism that's taken over. Mark, once again, would you give your website to our pastors? Sure. It's uh, climatedepot.com. Uh, and uh, you can also go to climatehustle.com for the movie. But I think there's I think there's a link at Climate Depot or there's ads for it as well to go to it. So, And gentlemen, I'll close with this. And then if Art Hodges is still on here, I'll have Art close us a word of prayer. Even though we are in 6,000 years of, of biblical history, and now we have air conditioning, indoor plumbing, and automobiles, and Learjets, man's sin nature hasn't changed. And after 6,000 years, we still, now we are still seeing the advancement of pedastry and pedophilia and illicit sex with anything. We're seeing the sacrifice of our, of our unborn and preborn and, and newly born children to the gods of Baal and Ashtoreth and, we're, and Molech. And we're still dancing around, worshiping the earth and the sun, the moon and the stars. Same old sinful man, same old sin nature, same old battle. And we are the prophets of the one true most high God, pro proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, who, who died for our sins and rose again for our justification. 
So men, the battle hadn't changed. Uh, it's just our turn to, to be on the front lines. Mark, thank you so much for being a part of this great program, great, great, great education today. And all of you pastors will be sending out follow-ups tomorrow uh, with, uh, again, we'll send a couple of my sermons. Like I said, it's there for you to resource how you address this from the pulpit. Uh, we'll have all of the slides and, and materials there. And then I encourage you to visit Mark's website. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of resources there, much of which I accessed in doing my research. So Bishop Art Hodges, if you are still with us, sir, and oh. you unmuted your microphone. Uh, oh, please. May I ask you? What's that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on just a second, Bishop Art. Jim, you're muted. What are you saying? You're muted. I ask you for a quick prayer request this, this afternoon. Yeah, go ahead. Art, listen. If you... <clears throat> yeah. Um, we have uh, uh, a high priest of the satanic occult that lives in our county here. And they're planning a, a kind of a global uh, festival, music festival, metal festival, but it's it's a recruitment for the occult. Uh, it's in Hayes County, just south of Austin. They're planning to bring buses from uh, Austin and San, and San Antonio into our area and uh, a place out in the hill country here uh, to have this festival. And we're just we've been we're in our second. Uh, month of 30 days of prayer, uh, and I'm just praying that that um, that we can um, uh, put a, a stop to the whole thing. That logistically, that they'll have to shut it down. So I would appreciate uh, pastors that that uh, breathe a prayer for us, pray with us, that that God just shuts it down. Absolutely, Jim. Thank you for sharing that. Bishop, if you would remember that, and we'll also reach out to Rick Scarborough and Stephen Broden, some of our pastor friends in Texas, see if they can they can reach out to you and work with you and help you on that deal. So that'd be wonderful. Mark, Mark, once again, thank you for being with us. And Bishop thank Hodges, you. if you would close us in prayer. Thank you. Yes, <clears throat> Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for trusting us to call us to the kingdom for such a time as this. I thank you for Mark. I thank you for Paul Blair. I thank you for Dran Reese. I thank you for everyone that's on this call. Patriots, patriots, not only for our nation, but for the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that there's a spiritual revival and surge that's taking place. I thank you for what's been happening at Asbury University and how that's spreading across the country. Let it be an awakening, a spiritual awakening of our nation. You said, Lord, we could bind things on earth. They'd be bound in heaven. We are binding every evil spirit. We are binding this satanic festival. You said, Lord God, that you would tear down strongholds. We come against powers and principalities. And we know, Christ, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I pray for your power, your strength, your wisdom. Give us victory. Give us spiritual victory. And I pray in Jesus' name that we can turn the hearts of this nation back to you. God, save America, I pray. Save America. Give us a boldness of your Holy Spirit, Christ. Let us walk in the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Be fearless. Fear no devil. Fear no man. We are standing for the God of the universe and ultimately this, this church, which is absolutely invincible, that you've built on a rock, Christ. We are promoting your kingdom and praying your will be done here in earth as in heaven. And we'll continue fighting and praying until you return. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
and amen. Amen. God bless you all. Great call. Great Thank show you. this week. God bless you. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you, man. Oh, <sighs>